This message is brought to you by danmolerarchive.com, the number one place to search over 2,500 Dan Moeller messages and growing. Now, please enjoy this message. Listen, I want you to understand something. We're not, like Wiley, Wiley's probably a lot like me. I grew up in church my whole life. Mama made me go to church. <laughs> so you were supposed to go to church. And she did her best to keep me in church. And she took me to several different churches hoping I'd connect. And she took me to a more denominational, what you'd call church. She took me to another place, and she took me to one that I thought was a wild church. <laughs> and she thought to mix it up and get my interest, right? But here's the bottom line. I grew up going to church. Going to church is what I thought Christianity was. I thought Christianity was church attendance. So what I want you to understand is that something changed in my life when I was 33. I literally had an encounter with God. I talk about it all the time. He changed my life. I live with me. I'm confident with that encounter. Uh, I sleep with me. I wake up with me. I know me. So, it, you know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm convinced my life's been changed. Wiley, I got to meet you guys when? Probably nine years ago or so. 10. So the reason he's passionate and excited, I want you to understand, we're not trying to change you. We're not here. He didn't call this weekend to bring somebody in and say, hey guys, you need to get with it or what you're doing wrong. It, it really has nothing to do with that. And I feel impressed to qualify that. And we didn't even talk about this at all. I just feel impressed to talk about that. Welcome guys. Thanks for coming. I just feel like in 1995, I bumped into the Lord at work in a way that changed my life forever and helped me see things I never saw, understand things that I never knew, and he changed me from the inside. And through his word, he began to teach me what it meant to be a Christian and what, it, what he paid for and what he came for and, and why he died, and, and I went, whoa. And it started to transform my life. What I learned right away because I came out of that excited. And people get a little nervous when you're excited. And they say, well, look, I'm fine, I go to church. You hear this stuff all the time. Well, I'm fine, I go to church. Well, hey, I got my church, or hey, I, I grew up with the Lord, or oh, we're a Christian family. And you, it's almost as if people are threatened and they, they're almost afraid to acknowledge the excitement in your heart and why. And so my whole life's been like this. Like, I'm pretty ramped up all the time. So I, I literally, I'm not being funny with you. I calm myself down to communicate. I really do. I do. No, I do. I calm myself down to communicate because I'm not trying. I sit on an airplane with somebody, and they ask me how I'm doing, and I tell them. They say, how are you doing? They're being rhetorical. They're just making comments. Hey, how are you doing? They think I'm going to say, hey, hanging in there. Or they think I'm going to say, well, I'm just glad the plane's on time. But they ask me how I'm doing, I start telling them. Because I actually got something to say. Because I'm really doing good. I really am. It's not that every circumstance is great. It's not that everybody's doing what I wish. It's not that things are going the way you always hope. But he's amazing on the inside. And I understand every day now why I'm alive. I'm not trying to make it. People aren't deciding who I am and how I'm doing and how good I'm going to be. I found myself through Jesus, and it changed my life forever, and I can't not get excited about it because I feel for the first time in my life I was free. I was free from you, your looks, your comments, circumstances, work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
Come on, we have been decided by life in so many ways instead of the giver of it. So we say Jesus is in us and he lives in our heart. Well, that's so he can shine through your heart and your attitudes and your motives in your life. Like he's not in us so that we go to heaven someday. He's in us so heaven comes out of us today. Like it's really why he's in us. I can show you that all through scripture. He told us to let our light so shine. Before How many things in our lives dictate who we are and how we're doing? that have nothing to do with the Lord, that have nothing to do with truth. Just circumstances, how your life is going is usually how you're doing. How people are treating you is usually how you're doing. Yeah, what you're thinking, what you're feeling is usually what you've been through, what you're going through right now becomes your story, it becomes your expression, it becomes you. And I've learned that none of those things ever have to be true again in my life. And when these guys met me, they just heard some things that, because these guys, I know Wiley and Kelly enough to say this, that these guys just have amazing good hearts, and they love the Lord the best they understand the Lord. And when we met, they were like, wow, I hear this a lot. People say, man, this is what I was looking for, but didn't really know what it was. Or I knew there was more. I knew there had to be something more. See, I used to think that when I was young. When I was these guys' age, mom would take me to church and I'd, I'd hear a somewhat spiritual message, if you know what I mean. It was more warm-hearted. It was just about something Jesus did, dying on a cross, or they read a Bible story, but it made me think about God. But in time, I used to think about what does it have to do with my life? It's, so I thought to be a Christian was just stay mindful of going to church and praying over your food and saying, now I lay me down to sleep. And I never realized that he wanted to put his life inside of me, not so I can confess him, but so I could express him. Like that he wanted to change me from the inside out. The Bible says if any man, in 1 Corinthians 5, it says if any man is a, in Christ, he's a what? A new creation listen carefully it's first corinthians 5 17 it's there i mean if you have a bible you can look and read it it's there it says if any man be in christ he's a new creation it says old things have what old things what's he talking about is he just talking about the bad stuff we did that we knew we shouldn't have did or is he talking about things that were before he came wonder if he's talking about attitudes mindsets motives come on do you know how easy it is today to go to church and fight in the car on the way home over where you're going to eat, what you're going to eat, and be mad and have animosity in your home, but you all went to church, but you got animosity in your home? Do you know how easy it is in a marriage to say, I love you, and then talk to each other with spite and, and, and contempt and frustration? I started realizing, man, when I'm reading my Bible, he wants old things to pass away. Life as I knew it, he wants it to die. Because he wants new life to come. He said, old things will pass away. Behold, behold. He's revealing the power of God is going to help change me if I'm willing. Behold all things. How many things? So that means the way it was before he came into my life is going to die and now who he is in my life, which is new, is going to arise. So all of a sudden I realize Christianity is a far cry from church attendance. 
a far cry. It has really, it's, it's not about going to church, it's about being her. Why does Hebrews 10 say that we gather ourselves together as a church? In order that we stir one another up in love and good works. Now, I've learned this since I've been saved. Many people are only ever taught what God can do for them, bless them, protect them, or whatever happens is God, deal with it, learn to live with it, one day we'll understand. And they surround God with all this mystery and make him responsible for everything, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's no accountability, there's no conviction for me to wake up and be a different person. But I can be. I read in my Bible, I reap what I sow. I read in my Bible that I'm destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Which means if I get the knowledge, I can see destruction stopped. But I never had nobody teach me that. But I read it in that book that's behind me there. Come on, most of us haven't been taught this stuff. Most of us have grown up with an emotional makeup that came out of a selfish wellspring, a self-centered motive. Most of us, well, I'm just going to be raw with this. All of us were born into Adam what man became apart from God. Romans 5 teaches us that, and you must be born again. We've turned that into a prayer we pray on a Sunday morning when the evangelist is there and our names get written in a book of life instead of life coming into us. And all of a sudden, it's all about going to heaven and getting blessed and be provided for and protected instead of becoming the person that he paid for and created you to be. I read in 1 Corinthians 13, it was the first thing I saw in my Bible when I read it tonight. I got changed. I was at home alone. I was weeping. I opened my Bible and I'm looking right down. It said, if I don't have love, I got nothing. Right in that chapter defines what love is. It says, love doesn't seek its own. And I had such a strong conviction and realized everything I did had to do with me. Everything I ever said and did, even when I said I love you to my wife, it was do you love me? It was I love you for me. I love you for what I get out of loving you. So it was still all about me. That's why people can say I love you and chew each other up with words, actions and emotions, body language, posture. Because we don't understand love. Love doesn't seek its own. Love isn't Love is selfish, isn't selfish, it's love is kind, love is, right? So then I'm reading Matthew 16, guess what it says, if any of you come after me, if anybody, it's Jesus talking, he says, if any of you want to come after me, let him first deny self. That's what Jesus said, it's not my sermon, nobody ever taught me this, everybody just said, do you want to receive Jesus in your heart? They always just told me at church, he died on the cross because I was a sinner. That's all I was ever told my whole life. Jesus died on the cross because I was a sinner and he wants me to go to heaven. Nobody told me that the truth was robbed in my life and he wanted to put it back in me and on me. Nobody ever told me he died because I was a lost son and he wanted to restore the truth about my life so I could live in him and be in him. Nobody ever told me I could walk in the light as he's in the light. First John chapter 2, any man says he abides in him on a walk as he walked, he's talking about love. He's talking about walking like Jesus walked. Come on, guys, get real with me. Jesus was mistreated. Jesus was judged. Jesus was hung on a cross and crucified for doing nothing but right. That would be a sad day for every one of us in the room. That would be a hot story. 
I've done nothing but right. Nobody appreciates me. These stupid people, bunch of knuckleheads, idiots, if they didn't see by now, they're never going to see. I'm trying to do good here, and they keep calling me bad. I'm done doing good. That wasn't Jesus. This is Jesus. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. See, he showed me a way to live, and it's called the way. Oh, it's so powerful to me. Jesus came to save me from me. Yay. I've only ever been taught he came to save me from hell. Are you kidding me? Me living for me is hell. Because I'm only as good as you're doing me. I'm only as secure as you treat me. But man, if he could get me free from me. Now I'm finally free from you and I can see you clear for the first time in my life. And all of a sudden I understand you have value. You're worth his blood. His spirit wants to live inside of you. He wants to change you from the inside out. All of a sudden I realize we can all start becoming love. We can all live in the kingdom. Yeah? And all of a sudden I ain't waiting to die and go to heaven someday. No, I came alive in him. My dying days are over. Sorry, I'm getting a little happy right now. I'm just free. It's not my fault. 24 years ago, the gospel taught me to never wake up in the morning and live for me. I didn't wake up this morning for what you could do for me. I woke up this morning for how I could be more like him and how I could live from where he abides. That's what keeps you free. If my life is contingent on you treating me a certain way, I'm only as strong as your weakness. I'm only doing as good as you're doing me. And that's why a lot of people are miserable, broke down, discouraged, angry, bitter, because they got rights and they were violated. They got lines and they were crossed. But how do you have lines and rights when you deny yourself? Pick up your cross and follow Jesus. All of a sudden you give them up. See, this is what I learned a long time ago. This is what these guys heard me teaching way back when we met. And I was pretty excited back then, wasn't I? Yeah? I keep telling people I'm getting worse. Why? Because I know him a little bit more than I knew him before. And that this isn't my doctrine. It's my life. It's not my sermon. It's the word that lives on the inside of me now. It's the way that's become the way that I live. And it's just awesome because now all of a sudden you see the value of people. First impressions are out the window. Oh, well, they bother me. Oh, I'm going to hang over here when I'm comfortable. I don't like them at all. Could you imagine the Lord with that mindset? Where'd we learn it? If he didn't teach us, where'd we get it? Could you imagine the Lord just down and out and bummed on the earth, just sulking through the day? I just don't think people like me and appreciate me. I just keep going out of my way. I mean, I'm multiplying food. I'm raising the dead for heaven's sakes. I'm healing the sick. And people just keep bickering and backbiting and saying I'm evil. I'm just, I just don't know if I should just be, even be here. Come on, when we were treated wrong for doing wrong, it was hard. Let alone being treated wrong for doing right. And Jesus was never nothing but right and called wrong all the time, and he never let what men didn't see decide what he did see. Because he's the truth, and he's the light of the world. 
So I'm just here to cheer you on in something. Jesus, bear with me, because I think most of us, me included, have been taught different than this. But I could show you scripture after scripture, and I'm about to read a few of them in a minute. Jesus did not die on that cross just to forgive me of sin. He died on that cross to put his life inside of me, his ways inside of me, his spirit inside of me. And he told me to deny myself and put off everything I was so that I could put on everything that he is and willing to help me to be, if I'm willing. That's Christianity. Let me make a strong statement here on my first night. Nothing else is because nothing else is scriptural. It's just a form of the message. He said you got to die if you're going to live. He's not talking about your heart stopping. He's talking about dying in the old former identity. Okay. I'm so excited. You guys are really listening. You're great listeners. You guys are like, you ought to see your faces. I have the best seat in the house. I'm looking around and I'm kind of amused by it, so I, I just might as well break the ice and tell you you're making me laugh right now. The majority of you are going, you all have the same look. That's exciting to me. <laughs> Listen, I, for what it's worth, I'm just done being hurt, offended, angry, self-conscious, low-esteemed, moved by everything but the truth. Come on, everybody in this room, everybody, from the oldest to the youngest knows exactly what I'm talking about. From the time you have knowledge and awareness of yourself, you were self-conscious. From the time you can remember, you needed honored, loved, appreciated, supported, valued, to feel valued, to feel loved, to feel accepted. It's a constant rat race to fit in and feel like something. Be real with me. Everybody in this room knows what I'm talking about, from the oldest to the youngest. They laugh at you in third grade for something you're wearing, and you realize they're laughing at you, and two of them that are laughing you thought were friends. You're in third grade. Right there, you either become a fighter, or you become introverted and have a low esteem issue. And all of a sudden, life is deciding who you are. And all you are at a very young age is nothing more than how you responded to how it unfolded. And then we psychologically assess it and call it personality types. No, it's everything built on a lie. It's everything built on sinking sand. And all of a sudden where people aren't decides where you are and yet he's Lord? No, I'm done with that. He is Lord and he's deciding my life. And all of a sudden he teaches me what it means to die to myself so I wake up and nobody owes me anything. That's a pretty free place to live, and not a whole lot of people I've met even understand that it's there or possible. To wake up every day and nobody owes you a thing. I'm married. I even mean my spouse. She doesn't owe me a thing. She doesn't dictate how I'm doing. He does. That's why I love her. <laughs> On her most challenged days, I got nothing but love for her. Why? Because I know who she is and what she's created for. And I will not let where she's not in that moment decide who he is in me when he's in me to shine. So I'm just done having those kind of days. So I'm either a pretty good actor and I'm just putting on a great show Friday night wherever I am. I'm somewhere. <laughs> they drove me here. <laughs> 
or this is really how I live. I would have no idea how to live this way if I didn't find it from him. And all of a sudden, I understand why I'm a Christian. And all of a sudden, I understand what he paid for and why he actually came on the cross. He came on the cross to restore me back to love, not being loved. That comes through the cross, but being love this way. So the whole goal, and I'm going to explain it right now and read you some scripture. The whole goal of the Christian life is to become love. Not to go to heaven someday. Come on, that's self-centered. That costs you nothing to pray a prayer to go to heaven. You can still be mad at your boss and yell at your wife. But you prayed the prayer and you're going to heaven because you believe in Jesus. Well, if you believe in Jesus, why don't you let him have your life and shine through you? Yeah. Why don't you put off the old and put on the new? Blessed are the peacemakers, not the issue-oriented. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons of God, children of God. Come on. I just gave up my life subscription to issues. I'm just tired of living tit for tat, and he said, she said, well, I wouldn't be this way if they didn't. Well, they shouldn't. Well, how come you always, well, you, well don't look at me. I can't find that in Jesus' life. I searched the scriptures. I can't find that in his life, even when he's being mistreated. I can't find those mentalities in Jesus. So if he's the good teacher and he said, don't let anyone be your teacher because you have one, he's the Christ. So if I can't find it in his life and he didn't teach me, where did I learn it? So if he ain't saying it, who was? Where did I get it? Are you following me? Come on, this is important. There's a million things out there, guys, trying to eat your lunch, to press your heart down, to make you angry, to give you an attitude that doesn't produce life. This, come on, there's a countless list of things that just gray you out and ho-hum you and whatever. That's a real big thing on the earth today, whatever. What does that even mean? It's far from whatever. One day we'll find out. We have a response in all these things called faith. We believe. And he comes on the inside of us and we begin to yield and surrender and put off the old, the things that don't produce life, and we put on the new. So actually a Christian is somebody whose mindset and motive and purpose has been changed by the Lord. And all of a sudden you have a different reason for being. And it's not just attending a church and serving in that ministry. It's actually walking in love and living by the Spirit and making peace and showing mercy. Come on. Honestly, I'm going to be bold with you. Anything less isn't Christianity. It's just a form of it. Are you with me? He said you'll know them by their... That's not baking cookies and taking them to service. He's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. He's talking about loving kindness, gentleness, temperance, self-control, perseverance. He's talking about character. He's talking about where you live from, not the simple deeds we do. He's talking about the person you are from within. He said, if you clean the inside of the cup, you won't even have to work on the outside. The outside will be clean. Jesus said these things. I read the Bible, man, they're all there. Just wonder if we'd believe them. 
I wonder if we'd really understand and believe it. It's so easy to be angry in today's society. People are mad at each other that go to church because they don't agree with the doctrine. And I'm talking mad angry. And I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> Man, if people are that far off, shouldn't you feel merciful, cry for them, or think about praying for them? Why are you ready to slit everybody's throat? I mean, come on. It just doesn't sound cool. <laughs> You know, you want to do what the Bible says? They'll kill them for God. <laughs> kill them, do God a favor. It says men will be that twisted in the last days that they'll be thinking of killing each other and killing each other thinking they're doing God a favor. That's how twisted things will be. See, that anger that I'm talking about, that people get over even their doctrinal issues, the anger, it's just evidence you don't know him like you could. Because it didn't say God was so frustrated and so ticked off with humanity that he finally sent his son. He said, for God so loved the world. It says where sin abounded, grace came even greater and abounded much more. Not to empower sin, to get it out of the way. He said, when I was messing up the worst, grace was coming greater to rescue me and pull me out of that place. He wasn't saying, well, I'm disgusted. Well, he don't want me. Well, if he didn't turn by now, he ain't turning. I'm done with him. That's not the Lord. You can't find that in your Bible. When I was lost, he found me. When I was far away, he came. He'll leave 99 to get one. That's amazing. I get it now. It's not just so that I'm forgiven. It's so I become forgiveness. It's not just so I obtain mercy, it's so I learn by it and become merciful. It's so that I give to others the same thing he gave me, a chance to be changed. Yeah? You just think about this. I'm going to read you a scripture, I really am. This is my introduction. <laughs> if you let this gospel teach you this one thing, especially this weekend, you raised your hand and said, I never heard this man speak. If you take one thing from anything I say, if you let this gospel teach you to wake up every day understanding nobody owes you a thing because you wake up to shine. You wake up to shine, not to need, to shine. And nobody owes you a thing because you wake up for one reason, to be more like him. Wonder if everybody would grab that and believe that and start pushing into that truth, that one truth. That every day you wake up, you wake up to shine. Well, that would change some attitude. That would change some reactions. That would change some marriages. Irreconcilable differences. You ought to be glad the Lord never filed that on you. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm saying no matter what mistakes we've made, we ought to learn and let God change us. Well, I just couldn't take them anymore. Well, you better be glad that ain't God talking to you. Could you imagine coming to the altar sincerely ready for change and God would just show up? He would just show up and sit right above you. Oh, it's you. <laughs> so you're crying now and I guess you're broken and you want to change now after all the running. Well, you know, six months ago, I really wooed you, gave you a good chance to come. Where were you then? Caused a lot of hell and pain in the last six months. It's good I don't slumber or you'd have kept me awake. Tell you what, 
I'll have a meeting with the 24 elders and see where we stand because I'm not even sure where we stand anymore. Wouldn't that be something? Has anybody ever had God do that to them in the history of time? Through the blood of Jesus, has God ever treated anyone like that? Then I wonder where we got it. So if he didn't teach us that mentality, where'd we get it? Ain't that something? I've pastored for a while. And I've learned that 99.9% of counseling sessions are people having trouble with people. And it proves to me we don't understand the gospel. And we don't understand why God sent his son. Because people are having trouble with people. Instead of loving not their own lives unto death. And laying down their lives for others. <laughs> See I didn't come here on the contingency that I was hoping you'd even like me. Whether you do or not, I'm not trying to get you to dislike me. Please understand. But it's highly irrelevant. I came with a sincere heart before the Lord who judges righteously to cry out my heart from the rooftops. Just hoping that someone would hear just the kingdom of God as if a man would scatter seed. You came, he called it, I came, you're here, you're facing me. It's not even my fault anymore. <laughs> I got a live microphone. <laughs> Just trusting that something I say makes you think about you and how you're responding and where you're living from and what you're living for. Because God created man. That's what I wanted to show you. That's where I was heading. We're there now. I can finally read. That's the end of my introduction. <laughs> Go to Genesis 1, would you, if you have a Bible? If not, just listen carefully. Verse 26, then God said, who said? God said, let us make man in our image. You can look up the Hebrew word. You can look up image. He's not talking about a head, arms, legs, because God's spirit. He's not talking about what God looks like. Let's make man to look like us. He's saying, let's make man like us. That means who he is, not what he looks like. Let us make man in our what? In our image, according to, in agreement with our likeness. Oh. Let them have dominion, a whole list of things. Fish of the air, sea, birds, and over the creeping things that creep. You have dominion over the creep. And it's not people. <laughs> no, just joking. Every creeping thing, dominion. But, but watch, catch the first part. Don't get caught up in the dominion part. Don't get caught up, oh, where's he heading with dominion? No, no, no. God said, let us make who? In our image, according to our likeness. Verse 27, he didn't wait around long after he said this. So God did it. He did what he said. He created man, but he didn't just create man. He created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created Listen, ladies, you'll like this. You're not just here. Ugh. You're not just here to serve the man. That's not why you're here. You're here for his image. I found it in the Bible. You can't talk me out of it. You're way too late. You can twist a couple scriptures and try to change somebody else's mind. You're way too late for me. 
I found why women are on the earth to be found in his image. The reason a woman makes a man complete isn't because he's lonely and needs her. It's because he's fulfilled in Christ and has to reproduce Christ. And without her, where do you go? You take the image of God and bring it together with the image of God, what do you reproduce? The image of God. And then the earth gets filled with his glory. Is that the plan of the Lord? So now you enter in sin and selfishness. And Adam, did you eat the tree? How did you know you were there? It was the woman you gave me. She gave me to eat. And all of a sudden, the effect of sin is on the earth. Right there, a chapter late, two chapters later. He can't even take responsibility. He's blaming his life on God, and he's blaming his life on her. And a second ago, he was in the image of God. Ain't that something? You ever see people do that? Did you ever do that? I know I did. I watched my brother get a whooping because he broke a, a light that was in our family. It was matching lights. That was a passed down thing. We got roughhousing. We weren't supposed to be roughhousing with what we were doing. And we did it anyway. And I bumped into that lamp and it was done. And I looked right at my brother and said, I can't believe you did that. And he said, what? Y'all, don't you try to lie? Because I knew I was going to get whooped silly. My dad was a drinker. He was going to come home and see that light. He was going to hit me hard. So I did the total opposite of Jesus. Instead of getting on the cross, I put that my dad's hand to my, my brother's bottom. And I was like, I lied through my teeth. I can still remember him taking my brother up the steps to whoop him. And my mom looked at me crying saying, you better not be lying. I said, he broke it, mom. I wouldn't do that. No, I broke it. <laughs> but if I could get out of that whooping and give it to him, whoa! <laughs> See? <laughs> I needed change. <laughs> Why? Because I wasn't living what we just read. I wasn't living his likeness. Love lays down its life. The opposite lives at the expense of. Now, how many times have we lived at each other's expense? You say, well, I haven't, oh, come on, you live in a family. You just live in a family. You cop an attitude that's not productive. You cop an attitude that forces your other family members to have to respond to you. It's manipulation, it's control, it's selfish, it's deception. And all of a sudden, you're living at the expense of the atmosphere of your home. And instead of adding life to it and light to it and walking in love, it's just all about you again. Yeah? Come on, see, you might not be used to somebody talking that straight and plain, but let's get real. What are we producing in our life? What fruits are before the Lord? When we stand before the Lord, you know them by their fruits. What's he talking about? Collecting the offering or doing the sound during church service? Or is he talking about where you live from and what you convey to others? Are you all with me? Come on, I want you to see this because this is huge. So we find that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Watch, male and female. Bam. So the woman's created value is to be found in the image of God. That means love. Walking in love, living by the Spirit. See, we have so bought into who we've been that we haven't wrapped faith around who he is in us. So we've gotten more confidence in following our own experience Instead of life in him. Something brand new that we need to go after. 
Yeah? See, because I've learned. I don't have to be frustrated anymore. You don't have to believe me. Time will tell one day I'm telling the truth. You don't have to believe me. I'm done being angry and offended. I'm done letting what people say and do decide who I am and how I am. I'm done. I'm going to let Jesus decide that because he's the author and giver of life. He's the way. He is the life, right? He's the truth. He's the life. I'm done letting anything else matter more if it doesn't matter most. Here's what I found in Matthew 16. If any man come after me, let him first deny what? Pick up and what? Why? Why is that first? Because of what we just read. The Bible's teaching you and me that the whole reason man is on the planet is to pursue and be found living in his image. And it's called love. God is What happened when Adam got cut off from God through sin? He got cut off from the source of love and became in need of love. Now everybody in this room knows exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody in this room has needed to be loved from the time you can remember to the point that it drives you, values you, and decides you. Be real with me. Everybody in this room knows exactly what I'm talking about. We have needed to be loved. Why? Because when Adam got cut off from God, he said, the day, Adam, you eat that tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the day you surely die. Is that in your Bible? I'm just letting you help me since I'm quoting rather than just reading it verse by verse. Some people say, you better read it. It's there. You will surely die. Did Adam die? Did he fall over dead? Well, then he wasn't talking about physical death. He was talking about dying in the sense of his identity and losing who he was a minute ago. What God created him to be died when he ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he got cut off from the source of love. And Adam lost his identity through sin. And when God came, he hid from God. And he said, why did you, how did you, were you, How'd you know you were naked? Did you eat the fruit of the tree? I forbid you. He said, it was the woman you gave me for she gave me to eat. What a cop-out answer. What's he saying? If you were the one that gave me the woman, probably wouldn't eat the tree. Don't look at me. He says to the woman, what is this you've done? She said, it was the serpent he gave me to eat. What's she saying? The devil made me do it. No, you chose to eat that tree. And you cut yourself off from everything you were created to be. And a lie, watch, a lie came over humanity. And darkness covered man's heart. And what was alive in him a minute ago got reduced back to just a form, a desire, and a forethought. And every man was dead on the inside where true life was concerned. And and Romans 5 teaches us that since that day, every man was born into Adam and you must be. Somehow we turned that into a beneficial prayer that takes me to heaven when I die instead of a truth that empowers me to become what he paid for. Come on. I know I'm getting a little aggressive. I feel it in my heart. Don't run from me. Don't get offended by me, please. You get too offended, you'll give yourself away. No, because everything I'm sharing is good news. Well, see, see, that's the struggle. We don't, 
We, we just want to hear sometimes if we're not careful a message that benefits me instead of transforms me. He said, don't be conformed to the world, Romans 12, 2. Be transformed. How? By trying harder? No. By thinking like you've never thought before. Where am I going to get these new thoughts? Probably from a new and living way. Probably from new life called Jesus Christ. See, that brings me back to the point, Matthew 16. If any man, any youngster, any white-haired fella, come after me, let him do one thing first. All of us do the same thing first. Deny now, see, that's the problem, ain't it, on the earth? See, I'm convinced I'm not the brightest man, but I'm on to something here. It ain't politics. It ain't racism. It ain't ISIS. The problem on the earth isn't all the things we point to. It's that every day men wake up and live for themselves when they're made for God's image. And selfishness is the cancer and the rot that's on the earth. Because the Bible says we partake in 2 Peter 1 of his divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world through self-centered seeking. See, we just preach, pray a prayer, go to heaven. You don't have to think about self in that prayer. That might be self, that prayer. <laughs> You don't even really have to believe to pray that. You just pray it because if the guy's right, hey, I might as well pray. Can't hurt. Now, I don't preach that. They actually have a little tub over here with water because there's somebody that wants to get baptized this weekend. You're getting baptized this weekend. Did you know that? Okay, I didn't know if they actually, because she wants to, and I would be honored to baptize Esther. You know what she's going to do when she gets in the water? She's going to get in there like death, burial, and resurrection. Just like Jesus died, buried, raised from the dead. Romans 6. She's going to die to sin once for all. So everything she's ever done, everything outside of God, everything that ever was, she's calling dead and dying in the likeness of his death. Romans 6. Oh, that's so amazing. It says just as Jesus died, right, and we die with him, he was raised by glory of the Father. He was raised and it says, just as he was raised, we shall raise to the newness of life. Oh, my goodness. So we're going to baptize Miss Esther probably tomorrow night. We're going to baptize Miss Esther, and we're just going to put her down. I hold people down until every bubble stops. I make sure this thing is done. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. Samson anointing will come on me. I can hold you down with a hand. I just... You, about 40 seconds after the last bubble, you got them. And then you pull them up by faith. <gasps> New life. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Sign up for baptism. <laughs> Experience new life. <laughs> it's a point there. We turn it into an ordinance. It's just amazing the stuff we do. We pray a prayer to go to heaven, and then we think baptism is the next step to qualify to go to heaven. No, no, no. Heaven wants to come into you. The kingdom of God is here, Jesus said. Go preach, saying the kingdom of God is here. So then we get in arguments, yeah, but the gifts and the miracles aren't here today, and da, da, da. And we make all this stuff. wonder if it's not even about that. wonder if it's about his heart and his ways and humility and mercy and forgiveness and love. I wonder if 1 Timothy is right. I wonder if the goal of our instruction, the purpose of the commandment is love. It flows out of a pure heart and a clear conscience and a sincere faith. I wonder if the Bible's true. I 
wonder if the goal of Christianity is becoming love. And the only way to become love is to get rid of what's not love, self-centeredness. Because the Bible teaches you there's no selfishness in love and there's no love in selfishness. So they don't coexist. So put off the old, put on the new. Die to one to live for the other. So now you understand why Jesus said deny yourself. He didn't say if any man come after him, make sure he prays quick in case he dies any moment. Our evangelistic altar calls, at least the ones I've been around, if you hit a tree on the way home and lost your life and don't know where you're going, pray this prayer. We make the whole goal going to heaven instead of being transformed. Come on, we give ourselves away with our altar calls. We make the whole goal eternal security instead of transformation by the Spirit. Come on, you can agree with eternal security and stay just as angry, just as jealous, just as prideful. And all of a sudden, there's no conviction about your life because, hey, at least I'm going to heaven. Come on, everybody in this room has needed to be loved. And the whole reason we're on the earth is to love. We got robbed of that purpose through sin. So Jesus took away sin so we could get restored back to that purpose. Get born again. So wonder if sincerely the gospel teaches me that when I wake up in the morning, nobody owes me a thing. Because I'm on the earth for one reason, to love, to shine, to follow him. Come on, if you don't put new wine in a new wine skin, how will it be contained? You don't put something new into the same old vessel. You gotta change the heart within. And I'm not being mean to anybody in this room, I'm making a general statement. We have become so religious and traditional that we've left a thousand other things take the place of knowing him and being changed by him. We let our church attendance, the ministry we're doing, the prayer group we're leading, we let so many things we do in his name take the place of bearing witness of his name. And that's a shame. The things that men do in secret, the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, the stuff that pastors, I've been ministering to pastors, they hear these messages on YouTube, get a hold of me and cry and tell me the sins of their life. And it breaks my heart because I realize they're riding the wave of ministry, finding their identity through what they do instead of their identity through what he's done. And all of a sudden, their ministry becomes their life instead of his life becomes their life. And how long can you live that way? How long can you ride that wave? A surfer's only riding the wave till the wave what? He's in the tube, it's great, he gets scored, but all of a sudden, there's no more wave. What happens if you're riding some kind of wave like that? Now you gotta go out and catch another one. The whole reason man's on the earth is to be found in God's image. You say, that's impossible. Why don't you look at Colossians 3 with me? Pretty amazing. You guys okay? I'm almost done. I'm not going to keep you forever. No, no, I, I, I'll be gracious to everybody. There's a lot of children here. Actually, I said plenty already. I feel it in my heart. The whole reason everyone I'm looking at and everyone I'll ever see, it's why I don't have animosity. It's why I love traveling. Lines don't bother me. People, people, 
You ever fly? Anybody ever fly? Who flies? Okay, tell me if I'm telling the truth. We're all going to the same place, but there's limited room for bags and stuff like that. We all have assigned seats, so that ain't the issue. You have your seat on your boarding pass, but you might not have room for your bag. So people is inching up. Your boarding class is coming up. People is inching, pushing. That last guy on the last boarding pass, and there's people actually right behind them just sliding and stand three feet back just so they're in front of their boarding class and zone so that there might be more room for their bag stuff like that happens every day in public and I just kind of chuckle over it because I'm like oh my goodness the gospel's the total opposite it's laying down your life preferring others considering others more highly than yourself we turn the gospel into praying for blessings and favor and we think if we get the best parking spot we're in the flow are you kidding me when you're in the best parking spot somebody else isn't but you don't seem to think about that when you don't even have, do you know what traffic lights are? They're red, yellow, and green. They tell you to stop, to go. You guys know? Okay. I just haven't seen any for a long time today. I've been driving for a long time, and there's no traffic lights. I didn't know if you knew what they were, but you do know what they are? Okay. So you guys get out from this little area every once in a while. Traffic lights, you know? Spirituality isn't believing your light's always green. Because when yours is green, somebody's is red, and somehow you don't think about that. It's not favor and blessings. You have that. You're forgiven of everything you've ever done. And God will never judge you for your sins. He'll judge you for his son. And he'll put his life inside of you so you can live his life by the Spirit. That ought to matter. Faith says yea to that. Yeah? Unbelief says, whatever. See, here's the deal, and I know this by now because I've been sharing my heart for years. I don't talk in riddles. These kids can understand what I'm saying easy, right? Honest? Like, you're, you're having no trouble following me, are you? Some of the youngest in here can track with me. I'm not talking in riddles. I'm not so deep. So when I'm finished speaking, it boils down to two things. A man says, wow, I hear what you're saying. I want that. Or he says, well, I hear what you're saying. I just don't want it. And they'll try to add to that. Well, that ain't what I was taught growing up. I'm not talking about what you were taught growing up. I'm talking about what he taught us through his life. I'm not talking about your heritage. I'm not trying to dishonor nobody. But don't you cleave to your heritage if it doesn't agree with his life. Why would you make your heritage Lord? Yeah, but I grew up this. I grew up that. The only reason we have a lot of that, not all of it. Some of it has good, healthy roots. A lot of it does. But there's a lot of it that doesn't because it came out of what we can't agree on. How unified is that? What fruit is that producing on the earth? Just a lot more building materials. <laughs> so we can meet in our respective places. Look, it's not about the building you go to. It's about the life you live. You go to church for the rest of your life and never miss a Sunday. Get thrown into crisis and respond like the man that's not even a believer. And what's your church attendance amount to? You've been deceived, friend. You go to church your whole life, serve in a ministry, never miss a Sunday. 
get thrown into crisis, get betrayed by a friend and live betrayed. You've missed the whole point. I could show you in 1 Corinthians 11, on the night Jesus was betrayed, says it on purpose to teach us. See, on the night Jesus was betrayed, guess what his idea of responding was? He took the bread, which was his life, and his body, and he broke it. On the night he was betrayed, he gave his life. You better make sure on the night you're betrayed, you ain't on the phone talking to a friend, telling them all about it, crying, because that's a giveaway. Because all of a sudden, you ain't following Jesus. You're following the wisdom you were trained by. On the night you were betrayed, you'll find out what you understand. On the day your spouse doesn't do what you were hoping, you'll find out what you really see. On the day your best friend does what you knew they would never do, you'll find out where you're living. And if it ain't laying down your life, and Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. You say, oh, they know what they're doing. No, if they really saw, if they really knew, they wouldn't be saying and doing what they're doing. And mercy triumphs over judgment. And love covers a multitude of sin. Who in this room, be honest with me, did things in your life even after you said you were a Christian that you knew you shouldn't have did, but you did them anyway and thought, oh, well, and did them anyway. Be honest. All right. So, see all that honesty? Let's see that again. That was a lot of people. So wonder if God came to us and said, well, you don't even do what I say to do, and you knew better. You did it anyway, so you're not even for me. You're against me. You're not gathering to me. You're scattered. And he starts using his own word against his own nature. Would he ever do that? No, you got the blood speaking better things, and you got Jesus, Father, forgive him if they really knew, if they really knew. Oh, you got some convictions, and you know technically it ain't right, but you do it anyway. But if you had a revelation, if you had ever been with him long enough to where your eyes actually see, you would value your life in him and his life in you, and that thing wouldn't even look tempting anymore because the value of who you are has been raised in him. Most addictive behaviors, most cycles of sin only come through low esteem and people not seeing the value of who they're created to be. So they live up to the low level they're living because they don't see a higher value for themselves. And truth be told, most individuals don't really like themselves that much. That's why they need everybody else to. How's that for straight talk? And there we are again, getting tricked. Only doing as good as people are doing us. Living for the praises of men. For the encouragements of others. Instead of in the truth. That's why I told you in the beginning, without being arrogant or self-righteous, that's why I told you, I believe I'm free. I got free from me a long time ago. So that makes me free from you. So now I can finally love you instead of need you and set you up to fail me. Come on. You married folks know exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody in this room does because of our relationships. We got so much stuff going on sometimes. Well, I wouldn't be this way if. Well, they should have never. Well, you don't know what I'm going through, Pastor. See, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about what he went through. 
I'm talking about finding yourself through what he went through. Well, Pastor, I'd be in a better place if it wasn't for this, this, and this. Well, this, this, and this isn't Lord. Why are you letting it govern your life? Why are you letting that be the deciding factor? Why is how you're doing always related to how it's going instead of who he is inside of you? Guys, all I did tonight was lay out a simple message of what it means to be a Christian. And I'm saying it's strong and narrow, my own conviction. Nothing else is true Christianity. It's just a form, a faucet. What I'm preaching to you tonight is what I found in this book. I quoted how many scriptures. I told you where they were. It says, if he loved us this way, ought we not love one another the same way? He says, he who loves, 1 John 2, has no cause for stumbling or offense because of his brother. Why? Because he loves. He didn't say because his brother didn't do wrong. If you let somebody do wrong, decide what you're going to do. You've given them the influence in your life that they never should have. Well, I wouldn't be this way if they wouldn't. Well, you don't, it was long. You don't even know what it was like when I was growing up. Stop it. You're 35. Stop. You're 35. I'm sorry it was that way. Look, my dad was an alcoholic. He never said, I love you. I was touched strong when I was about four. My mom died of a sickness and was sick 40 years of my life. Don't tell me I don't understand hardship. We all have stories. Some are worse than others. Don't make that your identity. And don't attach it to God. wonder if there's this strategy out there to get you so hurt, so hard, so identified through life that when life finally comes, you think you already found it. What does it matter if my dad was an alcoholic and never said I love you? If Jesus hung on a cross and gave his life for me while I was yet a sinner, I bet God the Father said I love you through his son. Guys, I would never have to hear my dad say he loved me for the rest of my life now. I'm settled in Jesus, and I ain't got no bitterness or anger towards my dad. And because of it, he saw the change in my life, came to me and cried and got born again. Why? Because I'm not a hurting, broken kid that's 33 with a trapped little eight-year-old inside. Come on. My mama died. Well, how can you be encouraged? You were young. She was sick your whole life. Well, maybe God, stop. Jesus shed his blood. My mom's going to live forever. Let's not read into this thing. Let's let Jesus decide my life now. I honor mama. I was therefore carry her to bed, change her diapers, pray for her, and love her till she passes. And let's keep on living this thing. Stronger and more convinced than ever. Let's not get sentimental. Well, I'm just so hurt since my mom died. Well, I'm confused. Well, why and how? And I got theological questions. Stop. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, it's a loss. Maybe we don't even have to answer all those theological arguments. Maybe we didn't show that we love God more than we loved our own lives. I think I heard him say that. Unless you love less, 
your mother, your father, your spouse, your children, your houses, your land, and yes, your own life, you'll by no means be my disciple. That's a wholehearted follower, a discipliner. He didn't say you couldn't go to church. He said, but unless you love less that intimate list, you'll by no means be what he paid for and what you're here for. How strong is that? Come on. I read all this stuff in my Bible. Jesus said, unless you love less that most intimate list, why? Because you'll let something matter more than what matters most. And all of a sudden, you'll have a justifiable, analytical reason for not being on fire for God and moving forward in his spirit, and you'll be stalemated through loss or life. I am not a Christian to make it through the day. I am a Christian to shine because I'm never going to die anyway, so death has nothing to do with it. Yay? Come on. I would love to see us get free from that one. Do you know that a lot of us become Christians to survive, to get through, to make it? I don't even know what that really means. (laughs) No, you get born again. You're not a Christian. He's not a security blanket. He's not a survival kit. He's the answer for a new life. Y'all good? Did I turn you to Colossians? Can you guys give me, I, it's, I, look, I just jumped up here and started talking. It's only quarter after eight. Is that early? Is that early? That's early to me. Uh, no, I'll, I'll stop. Can you guys give me, can I have just 10 or 15 minutes and try to get you all finished up here by 8.30? Would you be good? I know that sounds funny to you. See, she knows me a little bit. Because I'm like barely getting warmed up, but I'm going to just finish because I feel like I'm supposed to very soon. But I want you to see something because I keep talking about it and I feel this in my heart. Just because there's a lot of backgrounds in the room. Not because of anything he said or we talked about. I just, when you talk about people pursuing his image, we have been so far removed. We just think, honestly, we've been tricked into waking up believing we have to fail. We're going to mess up. Thank God he still loves us. But that's not what I find in my Bible. I find the Spirit of God can lead my life. If I live by the Spirit, I won't live the same way that I used to live and fulfill the same lusts and desires of my flesh. I read in my Bible that I can be changed and transformed by His grace through His wisdom. So guess what? All glory goes to God. It's not because I'm a good guy. It's because grace is empowering me. But I have to be willing and I have to wrap faith around those truths. Wonder if I actually believe I can be changed. Wonder if I actually believe He wants to change me. I wonder if I start going after that in prayer and relationship with God. I wonder if I wake up in the morning and nobody's around but me and him. And I just say, Father, thank you. Nobody owes me a thing today. Father, even my dear wife, I just want to love her like you love your church. That God, my life would always be empowered to bring out the best in her. That she could always just shine, be sensitive and discerning. That never negativity or anything would cut down her identity or steam would come out of me. But only that which edifies. God, thank you for teaching me what love looks like through your life. Let your life be what my life looks like. I'm following you. wonder if I pray that way when you're not looking. Yay. See what's wrong with me? I pray that way when you're not looking. (laughs) So when my kids are growing up, making their own decisions, finding their own selves, not following their daddy or the God of their daddy, even though they respect me and know that I'm a straight up, they're not, he's a hypocrite, he preaches one thing, lives another, no, 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 that's not my kids. But who knows, every person has to know the God of their own life. 
Who knows, everybody has to come to their own place of faith. So when they're in the middle of doing this stuff and lies and war and brr in their minds and I'm encouraging them and telling them and exposing some of these lies and even getting words in prayer and yet they're still making decisions, thank goodness I'm not waking up insecure, putting pressure on my children that they have to do this and this and this because everything they do reflects on me. How many of you saw parents get totally smashed when their kids didn't do well? And then they say, well, I love them. No, you're finding your identity through them and you believe if they're not doing well, you failed. That's what parents believe. I've pastored long enough to learn this. And then there's intensity in the home. There's usually control, manipulation, and all of our prayers are driven by despair and fear and tears. And we're not okay till our child's back on track. And the whole time you're called to shine and be productive and bear fruits unto God. Yeah? So when something robs you like that, don't you think you're finding your identity through it? Nothing wrong to believe him for your child. There was a season where my own son wouldn't let me hug him because of the deceptions he was living in. I was the last person he wanted to see because everything he was doing was contrary to the convictions that were in his heart. And my life represents something to him because he's seen my life in God. So he knows his life's out here in left field, so to speak. So the last person he wants to be in fellowship was me because it's all he's thinking about. So I couldn't even hug my own boy. So guess what I did? Just hugged everybody else's boy. Yay, I'd have hugged you, man, I promise. <laughs> yeah, just hugged everybody else. I just, oh, I can't believe my own son. I don't know where I went wrong. I know God, you got to... No, pumping gas, same old guy. Pastoring, same guy. I don't let where my son isn't decide where he is in me. So I just hug everybody else's son. Why? What should I have learned? There's nobody else's son on the earth that has less value than mine. He paid the same price for everybody. Just because he's my boy doesn't make him more valuable than your boy. Are you kidding me? That's bias and God's not. See, that's a revelation a lot of parents don't have. Their kids are the most important on the planet. It's not true. I heard a pastor once say, if only four people were going to heaven, I'm going to make sure it's me, my wife, and my two kids. And I'm thinking, well, Paul was wishing he'd be a curse so the nation would so you're probably missing something there, sir. <laughs> Oops. My, my son's doing great. My daughter's doing great. My wife is in one of the most amazing places she's been. My whole family is doing great. There was a season back in 2000, 2004 to about 2008 where it didn't look nothing like that. And if you let that moment decide who you are and what you believe, you might not see the moment that I'm seeing now. My boy wrote me a handwritten note and snail mailed it. I didn't even know he knew how to put something in the mail, you know. <laughs> he put a stamp on it and everything. I was impressed. <laughs> he hand wrote that thing, man. <laughs> snail mailed me a letter. He thanked me for being a daddy. That I was. And he said, through all the rebellion and da-da-da, I can hardly even put my finger on that season. It was so blurry, Dad. But I know one thing. You've given a son the best gift a daddy could ever give a son. You showed me what Jesus looks like in a man in the midst of it all. Dad, you've never changed. 
and I treasure it and love you for it. Thank you for the gift. Because he's drug addicted. He's out there for two years. He don't even want to talk to me. He's my boy. Boy, you get hurt and offended if you don't know Jesus. You can get in fear if you don't know Jesus. One day, I'm, I'm a gardener. Man, I'd, I'd fit in with you guys. I'm a farmer. I, I live in the suburb, but I, I got my garden. I'm a farmer, man. My, I got my whole yards of garden. I got jars. I'm a canner. My wife's out of town. I'm in the kitchen with worship playing loud, and the canner's going rattling, and I'm adjusting the heat, and I got tomatoes going, man. I got, I got my whole table is tomatoes, and I'm just, I got a system. Stay out of the kitchen. I'm on a roll. You know what I mean? And I hear boom, 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 boom. I haven't seen him for two years. I haven't talked to him or looked into his eyes. And I hear the door, and I thought, was that the door? Because I got worship going. I got the canner going. I'm just out in the kitchen singing. I go, look, I don't see nobody. I thought, man, that was the door. I lean further. There's my boy tight against the wall, trembling and crying. He's down to 123 pounds. Didn't look good. He looked sickly. I looked out there and I said, see, this is where you know where you're at. Because if you're a hurting parent, if you're mad at him because your wife has suffered, you look out the, wind, out the door and you go, what in the blank are you doing here? You don't show your face for two years and you want to just knock on the door unannounced? Do you even know what you've done to the heart of your mother? What are you doing? Oh, yeah? And you feel justified because you've weighed his actions, but you haven't weighed his heart. And all of a sudden you feel justified because you're so right. And it makes him wrong. And that's not how we got saved. We got saved through righteousness. Wrong things got turned around and made right. Don't miss the point. So I looked out the door and I said, hey, buddy, it's so good to see you. Man, you're not doing well. You don't look well. No, Dad. He said, can I come in? I said, come on, man. He said, can I hug you? I said, come here. Showed him. He come on in the house. He's just crying. He said, I don't even know where to start. I said, how about if I start? And I said, do you understand that I'm not one bit disappointed or angry with you? He said, I don't see how that's possible. I said, I don't see how it is. Because you didn't wake up in my mind to live for me today. I woke up to love you like he does. And son, you don't owe me a thing. That's powerful, guys. And he's bawling. He told his mama, he said, Mom, I've heard Dad preach on love my whole childhood. And I know how he lives and I see his life. But Mom, I have never been loved like that in a situation where I deserved everything but love. So deeply and powerfully, it's changed my life, Mom. He's telling his mom, I was wrecked by the way Dad loved me. It meant something to him. Then you find these scriptures that say, know ye not that the goodness of God leads men to change. Not, what are you doing, you idiot? Why are you out there slopping with the pigs? You ain't supposed to be doing drugs. You know, 
that will never change a person. But when you look at them and treat them outside of where they've been and treat them outside of what they've done, you start to raise their potential and make a draw on a new value. My son's doing amazing. He's not a drug addict. He's a man of God. He went through a couple year season of deception. But I'm glad he knocked on my door. You know why? Because I don't have reprimand for him. I got love for my boy. And all I'm going to see him for is what he's created to be. I looked at him. I said, son, if I cry for you, I, I cry at all in the situation. It's not because of me and what you did. I cry for you. Because, son, I know you're so much more than what you're choosing. And it just kept melting him down, breaking down. He's just a sobbing mess. Yeah. After a while, in that kind of love, you get to the point of, duh, what was I thinking? Why was I even out there? What was I doing? Because all of a sudden, the person realizes he's so much more. I'm telling you, if you're struggling in this room with an addiction tonight, you got a habit in your life you feel like you haven't been able to break. See, it starts judging you because your actions affirm your worst belief, your fear. If you just get alone tonight when you leave here and say, God, I believe you made my life to be more than this. And Jesus, you paid a price to set me free. And I'm looking to you tonight and I'm asking you to set me free because I believe my value is way greater than. And you watch and see what starts happening in your lives when you start living like that. It's called living by faith and trusting God. Amen? Well, there goes 13 of my 15 minutes. I better read fast. Okay, I was talking about the image thing, remember? I feel like people struggle with that sometimes because we're so used to how we've been that we lord our experience over the potential of life in the spirit. We say, yeah, but brother, we're always going to have a meltdown, man. Brother, everybody's going to have their moments. Well, I'd like to challenge you with that. Maybe that's why you have yours because you're always expecting it. And you have no faith wrapped around any change. So maybe when it happens, you justify it because you expect it and you have no conviction to change because it's what we are. You know, it's amazing. He loves us. He loves you for what he created you to be. He loves you for purpose and potential and destiny. Yeah? So don't hide behind that language. It's deception. When you talk about being restored back to his image, it's all through the scriptures. Romans 8 says we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Who he predestined, he called. Who he called, he justified. Who he justified, he glorified. By filling with the same spirit that raised God, Christ, from the dead, right? It says, what shall we say to these things if he's for us? Who can be against us? Come on, that's scripture. Second Peter 1 says he gave us his divine nature so we can get out of darkness into the light. It says that we can get translated into the kingdom of the son of his love in Colossians 1. Yeah? Gee, watch what it says here. 
It says, since you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. This is Colossians 3. I'm just going to read it right out of the Bible. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Watch. Set your mind on things above, not the things of the earth. What a great admonishment. How many of us are getting moved by the things on the earth and taking that to prayer and praying to God based on the things of the earth instead of setting our mind on heaven and looking this way and seeking first the kingdom of God? Yeah? Come on. For Why are we going to set our mind on things above? Watch. For you died. See, if you didn't, you can't relate to this. You prayed a prayer to go to heaven, but he's expecting you know that you died. He did what Esther's going to act out by faith tomorrow, and she's going to die so she can live. Oh, it's so amazing. He says, you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore, because this is true, watch, put to what? Death, thank you. Put to death. He didn't say control, moderate, and find a healthy balance. He said kill life in the flesh as you know it. And the first thing on the list, sorry guys, first thing on the list, sexuality, always, every list. Thessalonians, Corinthians, Ephesians, Colossians, first thing on every list, sexuality. Why? There's not one arena exploited more in our lives than that arena. There's not even a close second. Why? Because you don't hold the light up at the $1 bills, you hold the light up at the $100 bill. So the thing that has great value and potential has been masked with counterfeit and, and that whole sexuality arena is driven sensually to win man through his emotions and his feelings and his desires. And he has that on every list as number one and he said, put it to death. That arena in your life, the way you know it, the way it drives you, the way you need it, put it to death because it's all about you meeting something in you. Come on. I did a lot of weddings in my pastoral life. I've done thousands of counselings. I'm up to three couples that before marriage weren't all across those lines before marriage. That's a giveaway. Three couples. Now, I'm not saying there ain't more. My experience bumped into three that weren't all mixed up and crossing those lines before they ever entered into covenant. Why? Because we feel it. Because we need that. And it's how we were taught that. And the Bible says, because this is true and your life is in Christ, put to, he's saying, kill it as you know it. What's he talking about? The self-centered side of that arena. The selfish side. The members 
which are on the earth, your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire. It's all covetousness. It's all idolatry. It's making something matter more than what matters most. That's idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. That means those who continue to disobey. Now, here's a humble statement in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. See, that's a, that's a humble Righteous statements so people don't get self-righteous and forget they've been delivered from the same things people need delivered from. In other words, I used to be an extremely selfish man. And I know that. And he changed me from the inside. So I don't get self-righteous towards a selfish man. I have compassion towards a selfish man because I realize the lie he's trapped in because I lived there with him at one time. Uh huh. It's a whole different heart. Now watch this. But now, but now, right now, right now, guys, you yourselves, you yourselves, it ain't line up for prayer. You yourselves, garden steward your heart. Put off these things. Watch anger, wrath, malice. Here's why. The emotions you grew up with aren't what God gave you from the beginning. It's what Adam gave you through separation. All your emotions came out of a self-centered motive, a self-centered wellspring. Nobody had to teach you to be angry. You didn't have to study to be jealous, self-conscious. You didn't have to hit the books to be discouraged. We all passed with flying colors. Why? Because we had the platform for it, selfishness. At a very young age, you're a toddler. You can't even speak English, but you can go, ew, no, mine. Eh, give me. Eh. As precious as kids are, you can see they're going to need Jesus someday. <laughs> two little ones, two little ones, toddlers, man. They, they don't even talk much. They're, they're, their mamas are so sweet. Their mamas love Jesus. They got worship plan. They're sipping tea, crying, reading scripture. Jesus, oh, look at it. Oh, babies. Oh, bless them. And they're just having a great time. And they're over here playing with toys. And there's this boring little plastic apple laying in the middle of the floor. And they got these crazy fancy toys in there. And all of a sudden, one of the little ones just picks up the apple. All of a sudden, the other one goes, wants the apple. Do you ever see it? Now we have a small war. <laughs> Who taught them that? Where did they learn that? Just came with the package called the fall of man. Every man for himself. One of the first things children learn. Mine. Mine. No. Mine. You never did that, did you, little buddy? Never did it. Good. <laughs> We've all done it because we were all born into it. It's called born into Adam and you must be born again. It's a dead giveaway. You can see it in a little child. In a little child. You take that binky and they ain't done with it. Yeah, you take that little cuppy right before bedtime. Get a cuppy, cuppy, I got a cuppy, I got a cuppy. No, we're not taking the cuppy into the bed. Take the cuppy, ah! 
get those mamas, all these great mamas. They're in the grocery store. Now we're going through that checkout line. You are not going to do to me what you did the last time. I don't even want you looking at the candy aisle. I don't want you asking for nothing. Do you get it? Don't ask for a thing. <laughs> hi, yes, hi. Mommy, I want a Hey, hi. Mommy, I want a Looking around. You listen to me. I'm going to give this to you right now, but don't you ever do this to me again. <laughs> I'm not too far off. Where did they learn that stuff? We get so desensitized, we're just sure it's normal. We just think it's the way we're always going to be. But then Jesus confronts it with his life, not just his word. And he didn't say, sing to me, pray to me. He said, follow me. And he said, the things I do, you'll do if you believe. He didn't say if you attend a church. He said, if you believe the things I do, you'll do. And greater work shall you do because I go to my Father. Meaning the person of Holy Spirit is going to come and empower us all to live new life. Yay. You get it? Okay, I'm way over time now. Way over. But I'm just about done. I promise. Mom, quit laughing at me. <laughs> but now you yourselves are to put off these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. Why? Because you've put off the, you've put off the old man. Okay, you put off the old man. Now guess what you do? You put off the old man and his deeds and you recognize the way I was before Christ is not the way I was created to be. I was created for his image and his image is love. Watch. And you put on the who? The new man. Who's this new man? He's renewed in knowledge. Look, according to the image of the very one who created him. So what is the cross all about? Him becoming a lie to put the truth back on his people. So did he die on the cross because I was a sinner or did he die on the cross because I was a lost son? There's a difference. He had to die because I sinned. But he did not leave me a forgiven sinner. He gave me his life. He gave me his way. And he told me to follow him. But the only way you can is if you begin to understand what it means to die. I'm going to talk about it a lot tomorrow. I'm going to talk about it tomorrow morning. We're going to have questions and answers at lunchtime. If you want to come back, if you don't, that's fine. But we'll be here. Wherever I am, we'll be here. Because they're going to bring me. So I don't have to find my way. And then in the evening, we'll wrap it up. And I believe that's when we'll baptize you. If you've never been baptized and you want to baptize, if you're, if you're sitting here hearing what I'm saying and you're going, man, I'm convicted by this. Man, give your life to him. I don't have to have some formal order call. Give your life to him. Do it from your heart. Tell one of your friends and say, hey, I was moved by that. I don't, I don't want to be living for myself anymore. I'm done being vulnerable and weak and making an excuse for everything that doesn't look like God. I want, I want to be 
in this place. If you've never been water baptized, you bring your stuff Saturday night. We'll baptize you. You can tell us where your heart is and what you're doing and wrap faith around that. We'll wrap it with you. I'll baptize you. I'll hold you down till every bubble stops. <laughs> if you've never been baptized, listen, I'm not trying to be offensive. Some of us were only ever baptized as little children because our parents meant well. That's really symbolic to a dedication unto God. That's not a believer baptism. Jesus said, believe and be Come on, a little. Doesn't even know what they're believing. It's just your heart to submit them and dedicate them to God. That is not a believer baptism. That's a dedication to God. It's Whether it's a sprinkling, a baptism, it doesn't qualify for Matthew's believe and be baptized. Or a Mark 16. Are you following me? A baby doesn't even know what they're believing. Because they're not. But you come of age, you have convictions, and you believe, now you get baptized into Christ, into what you believe, and you're convicted by it, and you're empowered to live what you're convicted by. That's what I'm talking about. So if you've never been water baptized, we'll gladly baptize you on Saturday night. Just bring clothing, bring a change of clothes, bring a towel. You won't even be inconvenienced. You already have a heads up. You can bring your towel. You might say, you know what, Friday night I was listening. I got really moved. I just want to... Man, I want to publicly die to some things, put off some things, ask Jesus to forgive me, and I want to live this life he's talking about. I want to tell you I'm all in, man. I want to die to live. That would be amazing. I will hardly let you get finished talking and have you under there. I'll be so excited. <laughs> I've seen countless confessing Christians, and I'm not judging anyone. God never said make confessing Christians. He said make disciples. A disciple is a wholehearted follower a disciplined learner, one that has given his heart to the truth of Jesus' life and words and allowed Holy Spirit to empower him to live the same. Are you with me? Come on. We could go to church for the rest of our lives and it won't change a thing, but if we become love, it starts somewhere. Sunday morning, we aren't even meeting because we didn't want to interrupt with churches around here. But we could go to Sunday morning service for the rest of our lives and it may never change anything around us. But if we become love, it has to start somewhere. I've, I could tell you so many testimonies. I've seen so much transformation. I've worked, worked several secular jobs where you're in there 40 hours a week. You're in there five days a week, ten, eight hours, four days a week, 10 hours, one job. And I could tell you testimonies for hours of just living consistent, walking in love, and ministering Jesus to coworkers. This is the funnest thing of all. It sure beats having issues and attitudes and gripes towards your employer and hating your boss and God, why don't you change him if you love me? <laughs> I think we've missed the point. I think we're supposed to shine. So we're gonna put on this new man. He's renewed in knowledge according to the image. So verse 12 is the image. As holy and beloved people, elect of God, put on tender mercies. This is the image of God. Put on, remember, put on his image. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ has forgiven you, so you also do. But above all these things, put on love. Because it's the bond of perfection. 
I feel like I've preached the gospel to you tonight. I've preached why God sent his son. I'm glad you came. Thanks for giving me all that time, being so patient with me. I know I'm passionate. I know I get wound up, and I know I come across a certain way at times. It's not intentional. My heart is full of what I'm telling you. I'm either the most deceived man you've ever met, or for the last 24 years I've been free. Ah, <laughs> we'll find out someday. <laughs> but for now, I got all my chips on the free space, <laughs> and I'm just believing I'm free. I believe if we become love, it'll change things. We can sit back and agree and disagree and argue and fault find and nitpick and life will be the same. We can still go to church. Let's pursue to be more like him. Let's pursue to walk in love and live by the spirit. Let's not be a religious people that just know how to say grace over our food and have animosity in our hearts. Let's not cross all kind of lines and then stand in a spiritual setting and bow our head like we're participating. Let's learn to know him, to really love who he is so who he is begins to shine through our lives. I'll talk about how easy that is tomorrow. I'm going to talk about relationship a lot with him tomorrow morning and how easy it is to become what I preached. I didn't set you up for this. I'm not trying to control you. The paradox is you can't walk out tonight and live what I just preached. It's knowing him that changes your life. It's only through relationship and through prayer. It's only through you saying a sincere yes and going after this truth and not turning back. You cross the line and say, well, I tried, brother, but they just won't. No, we're not talking about a method, 30-day money-back guarantee. Try me, see if you like me. We're talking about Jesus becoming your life. I just know this, friend. I've been bound by myself and by lies, and I've been free for a while. I'm going to be staying in this place. This is where I found life. It's the only reason I got on a plane. I didn't come here for an offering, did I? Wiley, he don't know I'm saying this. I said, if you got to rent this place and it's a lot, please let me know. I'll just help you pay for it or I'll pay for it out of my ministry account. I'm not receiving an offering. I didn't come here for you to give me nothing. I came here because I believe what I preach and I believe it's for you. I was going to pay. People say, you're going to pay for your own meeting? It isn't my meeting. It's the kingdom of God. I'm not here for an honorarium. I'm taking nothing with me except the joy that I got to sow some seed. You flew here just to toss that? They nothing. This is not a business deal. It's called family. And whether I ever met you before or not, you say you believe in the same father that I have. That would make us family might think a little different, might have a little different background, but I think we all have the same potential and purpose. I think we have destiny. So why don't we just plow the ground and go after this thing and not make it about a business deal? There is a such thing as pure on the earth. You believe that, right? I hope we haven't been so jaded that we think there's a catch to everything because there ain't no catch to this. Did you buy my plane ticket? I get my own plane ticket everywhere I go. And I've never turned a reimbursement into a church ever since 2006. Why? This is not a job. I believe what I'm preaching. It's the way I live. And I'm not here for your money. And I'm not here for your blessing. I'm here to inspire you to become what he paid for.
because I'm convicted by that truth. Are you with me? <laughs> Yay. <laughs> All right. Let me pray over you, okay? I'm 20 minutes later than I wanted to be, sorry. Let me pray over you, would you let me? Father, I just thank you for this room of people. I thank you for hungry hearts. I thank you for inquisitive hearts. I thank you for even like these guys. I teased them. I said, did they rope you into coming? <laughs> and they chuckled. No matter why we're here, God, I thank you that we're here. And I pray that not one ear would miss the truth of what I've been crying out, I believe, by your spirit. I pray that every person would see their value, that they have a, person, a purpose in life, and that every person matters big time. That this room is the roster of heaven. That we're the best you've got and you believe you've got enough. Let us believe that tonight. Let change come from within. Let hearts be convicted and let not this truth slip away from anyone. Lord, I pray a blessing over this night. And I pray that every heart would contain this truth. And begin to bear fruit accordingly. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to do something tomorrow night. I'm not going to do it now because I told you I was done. No, I'm not. I, I do something everywhere I go, and I usually do it on Friday night, but God's not religious. But we're going to do something real quick, and if I see you tomorrow, you can tell me what happened when you see me tomorrow. If you're sick in this room, I don't ever do it this way, but I feel I'm going to do it because I'm going to hold to my word. Tomorrow night, we're going to do it a little different. It'll be fun because I'm planning for it. I, I, I see we can do it. But if you're sick in your body in any way, I don't need you to stand or anything. Just raise your hand and let me know. Just raise your hand. If you need healing in your body, you're sick in any way, raise your hand and let me know, please. Don't not hold your hand up. I'm telling you, it's serious. I do this every day of my life. This is serious. Raise your hand if you're in this room and you have sickness. Come on. Yeah, see, I'm compelling some more folks. Don't be afraid. You say, well, this ain't in my background. I'm not talking about your background. I'm talking about sickness in your body. I'm not talking about your background. If you're sitting real near them and they got their hand up, just somebody reach up and put a hand on a shoulder or just touch them, please. Just touch them. Just get, get near them. Somebody just stand behind the cameraman, please. Just stand behind. Somebody go stand right behind the cameraman. Put your hand right on his shoulder. Thank you, honey. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, she's going to make me cry. Whew. Make me cry. Thank you, girl. You feel this, don't you? It's good. Okay, all I want you to do is just believe right now in your heart, and you can even mother something out real simple like be healed in Jesus' name. Don't get heady, don't get long, don't try to pray, so just say be healed in Jesus' name or be completely made whole. Just go ahead and just begin to speak that over them one or two times as a declaration. Father, I thank you for healing all through this room. I thank you you remove sickness right now out of the people that are humble enough to raise their hand. Even some that didn't even know what was about to happen or what I was about to do, and they tentatively raised their hand. I thank you, you come on them strongly. Every sickness, every weakness, you come out of the people right now, healing all through this room in the authority of Jesus' name. Now, Father, I thank you for what you do, and I thank you most of all for who you are. And your love is amazing. In Jesus' name. If you're being prayed for, just believe he loves you and just thank him right now for doing something beautiful inside your body. Just believe that. Just, just in your heart, you can just believe that. In Jesus' name. Amen? Okay.
Now, I'm not taking any more time. I'm going to turn it over to Wiley if he needs to say anything. But here's what I want you to do. If you come back tomorrow at any point, you'll have tonight. You wake up. You'll have tomorrow. You let me know what happened in that little bit of time we prayed. Because I'm telling you, things happen all the time. I'm just having the time of my life. Last week, we were in a service. And the, and, and the man came up, and he was trembling. He had a... Uh, tumor and then this lady she had a hernia thing she said it was the size of a tennis ball and she realized it was completely gone in her flesh when she started to check and it was easy to find it's completely gone as big as a tennis ball and this stuff just fires me up I just, I'm already fired up I don't need much more but it just kind of puts me over but I'm telling you, you leave here and you thank God and you inventory your body in the next 12, 15, 24 hours and if I see you again you make sure you let me know what, what, what happened. But tomorrow night, I'm going to teach a little bit of something. And for about 15 minutes, we're going to do something that will be really fun. So please come tomorrow night if you can. We'll do baptisms. Bring clothes if you want to get baptized. I know we're doing one. It'll be very special. If you know some sick folks, bring them tomorrow night in the evening service because I'm going to do a little mini teaching. We're going to do a little exercise. I'm going to get you guys involved. It'll be fun. And you can't go wrong. It'll be fun. Do it all the time. It'll empower you. And you'll be glad that you you came. I mean it. So if you can come tomorrow night for that, okay? Y'all good? Okay. If you enjoyed this message, please visit danmolerarchive.com to find over 2,500 more messages from Dan all organized by category, playlist, and search. Enjoy.